Today's scripture reading will be from 1 Timothy 2. Please stand as we read. 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 7. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all goodness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. Thank you. Amen. We'll turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2 as we're going to continue our series I've entitled the theme of 1 Timothy, Living Out Love in the Local Church. The key verses are the verse that we already looked at in 1 Timothy chapter 1 where it says, The end of the commandment is charity or love out of a pure heart, a good conscience, a faith unfeigned. And then 1 Timothy 3.15, what does it say? Can you read it with me? It says, but if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. So we need to know how to behave right in the house of God. And that is we have to have love in our hearts flowing out of us. And today the message is one of the key areas, if we don't do it, who in the world is going to do it? And that's prayer. We must pray for all people. If we're going to behave right in the house of God, we certainly need to be people and and a church of prayer. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. We're Baptists, so we say amen every now and then. Not too much, but every now and then. But yeah, prayer. And it says here, for all men. That's all men generically for all people. We must pray for all people. So let's look at the text first. Timothy chapter 2. And the message is going to be just on verses 1 and 2 this morning. But let's just say verse 1 together. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 1 as we begin. I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Let's pray. So Lord God, Your church is the pillar and ground of the truth. And this is Your house. This is the house of the living God. And Lord, You have also said that Your house is to be a house of prayer for all people. So Lord, give us prayerful hearts, even as we speak and as we listen to You speak to us through Your infallible Word today. God, may this be a house of prayer. Fill us with love for You, God, because You have so loved us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, we must pray, is the message. We must pray for all people. Because we are living in a day when the devil is going all out to destroy all people. 
We have to realize the warfare that we are in. He's out to, dis- to destroy the Word of God and the faith of Jesus Christ from people's hearts, from our young people, especially those in college and high school and, and throughout school. But he's using the entertainment industry, the fashion industry, the education He's using the whole entire culture and he's seeking to destroy the faith. He's, he's parading himself. The devil parades himself without fear today. That's why we have to pray for all people. Now, I just, I saw, I saw this this week. This is on the FXX channel, which is Disney owned. And it's about a demon possessed girl. And the, the title of the cartoon is called Little Demon. And this is how Disney presents it. They say that this show is about a 13-year-old girl after being impregnated. I'm sorry, 13 years after being impregnated by Satan, a reluctant mother and her Antichrist daughter attempt to live an ordinary life. So it's about a girl whose father is Satan. The mother had been impregnated by Satan. This is a Disney-owned show. They make a total mockery of God. They make light of Satan, light of hell. They focus on witchcraft, Satanism, make all kinds of references to religion. These people are steeped in religion, writing the scripts of these, of these cartoons like Little Demon. Filled with Jewish mysticism, witchcraft, religious apocrypha, anything but the Word of God. Anything but the truth of Jesus Christ. This is what they're trying to go after our kids with. China McLean. Don't know her, but saw her. A child star on Disney shows. She was a child actress on Disney shows. She said there is a reason why people are dressing up like Satan. And while satanic imagery is on full display with upside down crosses and pentagrams and all this. She says it's not for fun. It's because... The writers of these scripts know God and Satan exists, and they're seeking to influence us. Influence us for who? Not for God, but for? Think of that. Think of that. They're influencing people to follow the devil. This is the culture. This is why we must pray for all people. This is why we have to be people of, of, of much prayer for all people. And in this passage of scripture, Paul literally challenges us to embrace the world in our prayers. We must pray for all people. Do you know why? Because it says in verse number 4, God will have what for all people? What does God desire and wish for all people? He wills for all people to be saved. He will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So the context of this prayer in verse 1, is salvation. We pray for all people, and we, we can pray for every person, because all people, it is God's heart and desire for them to be saved. And they can be saved, because look what it says in verse number 6. What did Jesus Christ do for all people? He gave Himself as a ransom. He paid the price and died on the cross for the sins of the world so that all people could be saved. And that's the context of this verse I want you to know. Is that we pray for all people 
Because Jesus died for everyone, and God wills for everyone to be saved. A.B. Simpson is the founder of the Christian Missionary Alliance. At a particular conference he was in, he was clutching a globe. They said he would wake up in the morning and clutch a globe and pray over it with tears, praying for the world. We need to have that kind of heart to pray. Embrace the globe. Embrace all people. Prayer is warfare. When he says, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, is because prayer is warfare. Prayer is the, the, the midst of the battle. There's nothing easy about prayer. There's nothing in my flesh or your flesh that wants to pray. <laughs> it's hard work. The devil will fight us and keep us and distract us. Am I right? From prayer. Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, the chapter right before this in verse 18, he says, I charge thee, uh, I, I, this charge commit I unto thee, son Timothy. This charge I commit unto thee, he says, according to the prophecies which, which went before in thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. And then now he comes to chapter 2 and he says, I charge you or I exhort you. And that exhortation is, remember Romans 12 where he, Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy. It's the same word. So he's like, I'm begging you. I'm beseeching you. Pray for all people. If we're going to fight a good warfare, and the word warfare in 1 Timothy 1.18, we get our word strategy from that original language word, strategy. So as a good soldier of Christ, we must fight strategically. And if we're going to fight the battle, if we're going to make any inroads into this community, into our city, we've got to pray. There's no way that God is going to bring blessing to our church if we do not pray. That's why we have a prayer meeting every Wednesday. And you should come. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, another verse that I reference right there, Paul tells Timothy to fight the good fight of faith. One of my favorite Greek words is in that text. It's the word fight, and it's the word agonize, agonizomai, the good agony of faith. So he says, fight the good fight of faith. We get our word agonize from that word fight. And that's why I say these two words in, in this bullet statement, as a good soldier of Christ, we must fight strategically because we're in a warfare. And we must fight agonizingly because we are soldiers in the battle. And this is about prayer, dear friends. We must pray for all people. And so there's just a few things I'll say about this this morning. First of all, we see this charge. There's a charge for all of us to pray Notice what he says, I exhort therefore. And then he uses a very important little expression after therefore. What is it? What is it? What is it? That what? That what? First of all. Now, I don't believe the first of all is just the first thing to do as a list of things we have to do. It could mean that, but I believe it's better to say that it means this is the first thing above all things. This is the thing of first to top priority. 
This is of most important. This is the most important thing. See, there were problems in the church in Ephesus. There was heresy in the church that, that was taking over, and Timothy had to deal with that. How was he going to deal with it? With what? Prayer. And then, the, and then outside of the church of Ephesus, they had one of the biggest and most popular false religions of the world. The worship of Diana. And we can read about that in Acts chapter 19 when Paul went to Ephesus and they worshiped Diana. And there was all kinds of immorality and there were false temples. So there was false doctrine in the church. There was all kinds of wickedness and false religions outside the church. And Paul says to Timothy, the first thing you have to do, the most important thing you have to do in church is to pray. Think of that. And pray for their salvation. Pray for their salvation. So he says, pray for all men. And the men there is generic, talking about all people. And I already said that we pray for all people because Christ died for all people. And God will have all men to be saved. We'll talk more about that next time. But for all people. Like A.B. Simpson clutching the globe. And praying, God, save people. We need to pray for all people to be saved. Now, how can we do that? We, so we have to pray for people we don't even know. You don't have to know their names. That, that, that's the good thing about prayer. You don't need to remember anybody's name. Sometimes people say, I can't remember anybody's name. You know, like, do you know the name of everybody here? We don't even know each other's names. So the way I, you know, as I was preparing and meditating on this passage this week, when I found myself in the, in the train, you, ever, you find yourself in the train just like that. You're standing there with the other strap hangers. Just pray for everybody in the train. That's a good idea, right? If you didn't get anything else, you get that idea. There you go. Pray. Pray for all people that you don't even know. Pray for the people in the train. You know what? I, another idea I've, I, I got was as I'm walking to the train, from my house, I have about an eight and a half minute walk, and I usually don't leave a lot of time because I I'm usually have to run. Actually, when I'm on my way to the train, I'm like running. I'm like, why do I do this to myself every time? But, but pray for the people that as you walk as, as you walk to the train or as you're walking around, pray for the people who live in these houses. You say, I don't know them. You don't have to know their name. You pr we pray for all people. Pray for the people. If you live in a building and you're going up the elevator and you live on the 13th floor, lucky 13, where, that's where our church office is. That's why I think I said that. You're on the 13th. So as you're going past floor one, Lord, I pray for the people on floor one. And you've got to pray fast. Lord, I pray for the people on two, three. I pray for three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Pray for all the people. You know, you can pray fast. You know, you say, well, I don't have time to pray. You have to have time to pray or else you're going to sink. Did, did Peter have time to pray when he was like sinking in the water? Lord, save me, you know. Your prayer doesn't have to be long. It could just be right quick to the point. But pray for all people. Pray for people you don't even know. Pray, beloved. And then pray for leaders. Leaders that you don't even agree with. Paul tells Timothy... Prayer for all men. And then he says, for kings and for all that are in authority. Now, how I read that, I don't believe that Paul is saying especially for them. But he's saying include them. Do not forget them. Because it is important that we pray for our kings, for our rulers, for our leaders. And think of this now. 
Paul is telling Timothy to pray for the kings. Now, there was one emperor, but there were many kings throughout the empire, like Herod was considered a king. And notice the plural there, the kings. He says, for kings. But that would have to include the emperor of the whole empire, which in the days of Paul, when he was writing this around A.D. 63, was who? Nero. And in a few years, what would Nero do to Paul? He would have him killed. Paul is asking Timothy to pray for the very one who would oversee his death. Pray for the people that you don't agree with. Pray for the people who may even end up persecuting you. Pray for all the kings. And this reminds us, we need to pray for our president. And we need to pray for our senators. And we need to pray for our representatives in Congress. And we need to pray for our governor, Hochul. And we need to pray for our mayor, Eric Adams. And we need to pray for, it says, for all kings. Notice that word all in the text. It appears six times in these first seven verses. All. He, He says, I exhort first of all, and pray for all men. And then he says, for kings and all that are in authority. So this also means not just the ones who are in authority over you. But Xi Jinping, who has authority over a billion people in China. Or Modi, who has a authority over a billion people in India. Or Zelensky, who has, is involved in this war. Or even Vladimir Putin, and he's to blame for everything. We know that, right? That's it. But pray for these people. But here's what we first pray for them. Pray for their salvation. That's the context of this. He will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth because Jesus Christ gave Himself a ransom for all. So, we're praying for their salvation. Our mayor needs to be saved. Our governor needs to be saved. Our senators need to be saved. Our representatives and our president and Modi and Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin and Zelensky... They're image bearers just like us. And they need Jesus Christ as their Savior. All the power of this world isn't going to save them from death and standing before God one day. They need to be saved. say, well, I hate their policies. Jesus Christ died for them. Well, I love that one, but I don't like that one. Pray for the ones you like. Pray for the ones you don't like. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether we like their policies, whether we agree with them, or it doesn't matter. Paul said, pray for Nero. Pray for all men and pray for all kings. I had dinner recently with a dear brother in our church who's here representing his country in the the United Nations. And you know what he, he wisely told me? He said, there are many Muslim nations And these Muslim nations have Muslim presidents or prime ministers. And they seek to bring about their Islamic ideas into their their nations. But there's not one truly born-again Christian president or prime minister in all of the world. Pray. We're going to pray today. I'm preaching about prayer, but you know what? We are going to pray. 
And I'm going to ask our deacons when we do break up to get into different groups and lead. And you don't have to pray yourself, but we're going to, we're going to do this actually today. I've never done it this way before, but this is what God has put in my heart. How I cannot preach this message without us praying today for our presidents and rulers and leaders and for all men, our missionaries, and praying for all the nations of the world. Whatever your nation, whatever nation you're from, by the way, pray for that nation. And that way we'll get more nations covered. But whatever nation God puts on your heart to pray for, pray for all the people of these nations. Now let's look at the dimensions of prayer. The dimensions. There are four different dimensions or aspects of praying for all men in verse number one. And there are four very powerful words that show the multifaceted, multidimensional aspects of prayer that should help us to pray. So first of all, he says, that's supplications. And I say this is the petitioning dimension of our prayer. Supplications speak about bringing a specific need to the Lord. So our supplications remind us that we are a needy people. We have needs. We're a barrel of needs. Our supplications remind us of our insufficiency. We do not have in ourselves what needs, what needs to, to happen or to, to, to do what needs to be done. We need God. We need the Lord to answer our prayers and to help us through. So a supplication could be you have a bill and you cannot pay that bill. You get that bill out of your drawer and you lay it on the floor and you get down on your knees and you say, oh God, please, I don't want to be in debt to this bill. I've got to pay this bill, Lord, until the tears start flowing from your face onto the, onto the amount that you owe of that bill. Let it happen. And God will meet that need. Maybe you need an apartment. Pray, oh God, I need an apartment. I'm going to be evicted and I don't know, I don't want to go into the shelter system. Lord, help. I have a need. Provide for this. And you pray and you petition and you ask God for that specific need. Or maybe your womb is barren and you have a need. You pray. You know who prayed like this? Sarah. A lot of people with barren wombs. Elizabeth and Zechariah, definitely. Zechariah chapter 1. The, the angel said, your prayer is heard. And that's the word for supplication. But you know who prayed like this? Who's that a picture of? That's Jesus. That's a, it's a picture of Jesus in the garden. And I believe this verse in Hebrews 5 is speaking of Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane specifically, who in the days of his flesh when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears, Unto him that was able to save him from death. And he was heard in that he feared. That is, he had that reverence for God. Jesus Christ offered supplication to God. Because think of this. Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh, in his humanity, had need. I, I can't understand that. But... It says there that he offered up prayers and supplications. Supplications is petitions because of a need. And in his humanity, Jesus did have need, and he needed to depend upon God. Each of these prayers, each of these words, by the way, and we'll see this, relate to Jesus. The second word is the most general word for prayer in the New Testament. You'll see this word appears more times than the other words. 
Obviously, it's just the word prayers. And this speaks of the perpetual dimension of our praying. It marks our devotion. I say it marks our devotion to God. Why, does it, why, why do I say it marks our devotion? Because this is the word used for praying all the time. Like Paul said, pray without ceasing. Jesus said, and He gave that parable, that men ought always to pray. Always to pray. So Jesus and Paul both said the same thing. Pray always. And you know what Jesus did? You know what kind of life Jesus lived? Prayer. <laughs> he woke up early in the morning. Mark chapter... Uh, or Luke chapter, uh, no, Mark chapter 1, verse 35. He woke up in the morning a great while before the day, went into a quiet place, and what did he do? He prayed. When Jesus was being baptized, this is what this picture is to represent. When Jesus was be, being baptized, Luke chapter 3, it says, well, you know what he was doing while he was being baptized? He was praying. He was praying. When Jesus was on that mountain with Peter, James, and John, and he was praying, he says he was praying. Do you know what happened to him? He was transfigured and became bright as the sunlight. When Jesus Christ had to choose His twelve disciples and call them to be apostles, you know what He did the night before He made that great decision? He went into a mountain and He prayed all night. Jesus Christ prayed. He was a man of constant prayer. In His humanity, Jesus needed to pray. And He had to live in His humanity a life of devotion to God. Of perpetual prayer. And so that's the kind of communication we have with God in prayer. Praying for all men. Praying for all men and their salvation. Remember Jesus was praying one day, one day, and when He was done praying, the disciples came up to Him and asked Him a question. And they said, Teach us to... Not preach. I'm amazed. I, after I would hear Jesus preach, I love preaching. I took a class on preaching when I was in Bible college so I could maybe do this okay. I don't know if I do, but whatever. You've got to put up with me. So, But I never took a class on praying. Even though the disciples never asked Jesus, teach me to preach. They never asked Him that, but they did say, Jesus... The what you were just doing there in prayer, teach us how to do that. Oh, we need to pray. Supplications. Intercessions is the next word. So supplications is the petitioning dimension. And it focuses on our need. Prayers is the perpetual dimension. Focusing on our devotion to God. Intercessions is in a way, there's two words really. I have the word pleading there. But I think you can also use the word passionate. Because this word intercession is a very interesting word. It doesn't actually appear very often in the New Testament. But a, a close relationship to this particular word is used only a few times. And you know what it's used in reference to? It's used in reference to Jesus and where He is right now. Where is Jesus right now? He is in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. And what is He doing? He is making intercession. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He's interceding. This is a prayer that Jesus Christ is doing in His glorified body right now all the time. Praying for you and me and us. Aren't you glad that Jesus Christ is making intercession for us 
right now. And you know how else this word is used? Not just Jesus at the Father's right hand interceding, but who is in you? The Holy Spirit. And you know the verse, Romans chapter 8, verse 26. What is the Holy Spirit doing in you? He is interceding in you, praying, it says, with groanings which cannot be uttered. So, two persons of the Trinity are focused in, honed in like a laser beam on intercession for us, for you and me, interceding within us the Holy Spirit and Jesus at the Father's right hand. So isn't that beautiful? As Jesus lives in heaven making intercession for us, as the Holy Spirit lives dwelling in you making intercession for us, we live on earth making intercession for all men that they might come to a knowledge of the truth. And God is in agreement with that prayer because He's not willing that any should perish. That's a beautiful dimension of prayer. The pleading and passion of the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ Himself. The fourth thing, fourth dimension of prayer here is giving thanks. I call this the praising dimension. Again, notice he says, I exhort, I beg, I beseech, therefore, the first thing of most importance. This is is top priority of all things that we can be doing. Supplications. And that is the petitioning aspect, because we are people of need. And then he says, prayers. That's the perpetual aspect. We're to be praying all the time for all men. Pray... That's the only way we could try to even be able to do that, right? We need a lot of time. So, pray... Without ceasing. That's our devotion. And then intercessions is the passionate dimension. The pleading dimension. Because we have divine help. And then he says, in giving of thanks. This is the praising dimension. And this marks our gratitude. What kind of a people ought we to be for what God has done for us? What kind of a people should we be? Come ye thankful. We should be thankful people. Thanksgiving is not something we just do one weekend a year. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. We're to give thanks. Jesus gave thanks. When, especially when He was doing the Lord's Supper, He gave thanks to His Father. So this prayer is spoken of about Jesus Christ Himself. Jesus Christ Himself made supplication. He often prayed. He makes intercession. And He gives thanks. You want to be like Jesus? Pray like Jesus. Giving of thanks. Three of these words. Now go to, go to this verse. Go to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. Three of the words that we've, out of these four that we've just mentioned in, Philipp, in uh, 1 Timothy 2 are mentioned in this well-known verse in Philippians 4, verse 6. And if you could find that, we could read it together. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says what? Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So you see how they're blended together there. So he says... Don't be, why, why should we worry when we can pray without ceasing and know that we have an intercessor 
at the Father's right hand to hear our requests and bring them to the Father. And we have the Holy Spirit in us groaning with those prayers. And so he says, don't worry, don't be careful, but in everything, by that devotion, that perpetual aspect of prayer, he says, by prayer and with supplication, that is with your specific petitions, giving your definite needs to the Father with prayer and supplication, then with praise and thanksgiving. Let your requests, let all your requests be made known unto God with thanksgiving. So, the way I look at it, here's how I illustrate Thanksgiving. You see that picture? Oh, that's a good picture. That's a Thanksgiving meal, right? You got the cranberry sauce and the, the, the green beans over there. But what I really want to focus on is the gravy. Because I'm a gravy guy, you know? And the gravy is always the last thing I put on my Thanksgiving plate. And guess where the gravy goes? It goes over everything. Thank you, brother. That's right. It, I, the only thing I don't like about the picture, I, I don't put the gravy over the cranberry sauce, but it would definitely go over the green beans. It will go over everything. And that's the way Thanksgiving is. Just the way I like to smother my Thanksgiving plate with gravy, smother your prayers your intercessions and supplications with giving of thanks and praise to God. So we're going to pray. I've never done this. You're visiting today. Never done it this way before. And I've been a pastor for, since 1984. But we've done it before the, the, prayer, the message. But I don't think I've ever done it in the middle because I'm not done. I'm almost done. But not quite. Okay? But what I want us to do, and I'm going to tell you one little brief illustration that I hope will... And, and use the notes that you've been taking. I know you're taking the notes. <laughs> as a, maybe a guide. But I want us to pray for all men. I want us to pray for our leaders. I want us to pray for our city. I want to pray for Greenwich Village. I want us to pray for Manhattan and Brooklyn and Queens and Staten Island and the Bronx and northern Jersey, or all of Jersey, not just northern, all people, the whole state, okay? Long Island, connect, pray, whatever you want to pray for the nations. Pray for all, you can't, you can't pray for the wrong person. Isn't that good to know? And I want us to, we're going to break up into, let's say, groups of about maybe eight, eight to ten. And I would like if our deacons could get in maybe each of those groups. If not, that's okay. But if you say, well, I don't, I don't pray around other people, that's okay. You don't have to pray. You'll be in a large enough group. We're not going to do it for that long a time. It's not like we're going to pray here for... It won't be three hours. It's not going to be a three-hour prayer meeting, okay? Don't worry about it. It's going to be maybe less than ten minutes. But I want us to pray because this is the most important thing. And God just touched my heart. How can I do this message and us not pray if it's the most important thing? So I just want to share this about George Mueller. You know, George Mueller was a great man of prayer. He started orphanages in England, in Bristol, England in the 1800s. The amazing thing about George Mueller is he never asked anybody for anything. He only asked God for it. And God never let, let him down and, and always supplied the needs for the children in the orphanage. 
But I was reading, he has a book on, on just the, the answers of prayer that he gave, that God gave to him. And, and he talks about one year. It was the year of 1871. There were, he said there were few among the orphans that were saved. There were few of the orphans in his home who were resting in the saving work of Jesus Christ, he said. And then, it, and then it, and he said, this brought me great sorrow of heart. I, and I, and I, I read that I was like, Lord, help me to have a sorrow of heart for the people who are not saved. Help me to have a sorrow of heart for the people of our city and for our own leaders. They might have power in a lot of things I don't have, but I, I have the most important thing, Jesus Christ. They need Jesus. That's what I want us to pray for, the salvation. So what Mueller did is he led his staff to seek the Lord's blessing and the salvation of these children in his orphanage homes. And that, as they were praying, one of the orphan homes got hit with smallpox. And they prayed even more. And God came down and Mueller testified that by the next year of 1872, there were more believers by far among the orphans than ever before in the history of his orphanage. And how the Lord turned a great trial of the smallpox even into great blessing. And Mueller said this, All the things of this life are of exceeding small importance. In comparison with this matter, where will you spend eternity? That's why Paul is telling Timothy, pray for all people, especially regarding their salvation. So that's what I'm asking that we would do. So we don't have pews, we have chairs. That means you can move them around a bit, just make them into small circles. And let's take a few minutes and do this. And let's, let's pray, beloved. I think I, I specified how we would do it. Just take a few minutes. Get with the people around you. Just pray with the people right around you, closest to you. That would be the best thing. If you need to move your chair around, perfect. And let's go to the Lord in prayer. Amen. Okay, so you could just turn your chairs around just a bit. You don't have to move them all the way back, but... For those of you on Zoom, sorry about that, but I hope that you spent some time in prayer and you got the point. So as we continue and conclude this message, I just want us to go to 1 Timothy, back to 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2, where Paul says, Pray for kings and all that are in authority. And then he says that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. So these are the reasons why he says to pray for all these people and as well our rulers and our kings. is so that we would live out a godly lifestyle characterized by tranquility and calmness. Now, the motive of this prayer, why he's saying this, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty, is not, it's not so we could just blend in and mind our own business. That's not his point. His point is so that we could live peaceably in the world of men. 
You see, Rome was known for its Pax Romana, for being a, trying to be a kingdom where there would be peace rule. But often, where Paul went, what, what followed Paul around? <laughs> like riots. <laughs> Paul had a riot in this very same city where he sent Timothy to in Ephesus. There was a riot there. Now, when there's a riot, it, it thwarts the gospel ministry because then Paul has to leave. Paul often had to leave different cities because of persecution. So what Paul is saying here is pray for there to be a peaceableness and a quietness in society, not so we could have an easy life, not so we could live a more sheltered life, but so that our gospel ministry to win people to Christ will not be thwarted. That's the context here. Because when Paul did experience persecutions and riots, it cut short his ministry. Listen, we should pray, Lord, no more pandemics because they're planning another one. I know these people, they're planning another one. And no more pandemics because that th- it hinders our gospel ministry. We want peaceableness. We want t- tranquility. So that people will not be hostile to the gospel. Because we need safety. If people can't get around and know that they're safe when they go into the subways, they won't want to come to church. They won't want to get out and about. So that's why we pray for peaceableness and tranquility. And not only that, so that we could live godly before the Lord. Prayer is the most important thing we can do in order to live a godly life. When you're praying without ceasing, you're not going to be sinning. You will be living a godly life. And so that's why he says, in all godliness and honesty. So I believe the first two words relate to the peaceableness of society and the world we're in. The last two words relate to our own personal lives of godliness, a reverence toward God. That's the idea of godliness. And honesty is a seriousness of purpose, that we would live godly lives, that we would live prayerful lives. We need families who would gather their children together like this and pray with their children. So we need to pray for all men so that we could live godly before the Lord. And so again, the point of this, when Paul gives these reasons for prayer, that we might lead a quiet and peaceable life, in all godliness and honesty, it's not so that we can just simply blend into the world, but that we could better preach Christ to the world. So that we would live, so that our lives would be godly and honest, so that we have a good reputation, so that when we try to witness to people, they're not going to say, oh, you're just a hypocrite. But that we're living godly lives, so that our witness will, will have, and the Word of God coming out of us would have free course and be glorified. And so that it would be done peace in a peaceable, tranquil setting so that people are not worried about their, their life and, and, and health, so to speak. So may God give us grace. May we be people of prayer. Now, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, the most important thing for you to do today, based on everything I've said as well, is to be saved. To know Jesus so that you can... Live a life of prayer so that you can know you're on your way to heaven. Jesus loves you. He died on the cross to take your sins in His body 
and bear the very wrath of God that we deserve, that you deserve. You deserve wrath because of your sin. You say, what do you mean, preacher? I deserve wrath. What about you? I deserve too. That's why I got saved. That's why I believed in Jesus. I knew I was under the wrath of God. And I never understood why Jesus died for me. It made sense only when I understood I was going to die for my own sins in hell. And then I knew I needed Jesus Christ. Because we don't want anyone to go there. I don't want to go there. I don't want you to go there. There is a heaven. And there is a hell. I'm not scaring you. It's true. Jesus said it. And so, dear friend, you need, you need Jesus Christ. We all need Jesus. That's why He died on the cross, to bear the wrath of God. But He didn't stay dead, of course. On the third day, He, he broke the power of, of death and rose again. And so that's why we offer salvation. Because God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, come to Jesus. And beloved, let's pray for our city because I believe on December 18th, we're going to have a great service. This, this church is going to be filled on December 18th for our mini cantata service and our pizza and wings meal that we're going to have. But I believe this. There's no reason why we shouldn't have 300 people in here every Sunday. That's what I'm praying. Why shouldn't, we, why shouldn't this place? There's millions of people in this city. Millions of people who need Jesus. Let's pray for their salvation. And let's pray for God to bring them in. And for Him to work and bring salvation to many souls. Let's stand together as we conclude the, the service. And I'm going to ask our men to prepare for the Lord's Supper. Thank you, Lord. You're such a great God. Such a great King. How many would say, Pastor Matt... I want to be a man or a woman of prayer as you spoke today. I want to be a person who would pray with supplications and prayers and intercessions and giving of thanks. That's my desire to pray for all men and for kings and all that are in authority. I, I want to be obedient to this scripture. That's all I'm asking you today. Can I see your hand? Just put it up to the Lord and say, yes, God, make me a man, make me a woman of prayer to pray as Jesus prayed in the morning and as in the afternoon and before big decisions and before great and mighty moments, but before normal days as well to just be a, live a life of devotion and prayer. God, help us, forgive us for our prayerlessness, Lord, and teach us to pray, Jesus. Please, Jesus, thank you that you're praying for us as we're asking you for this today, Lord. Praise God, many hands. You may put them down. Is there anyone who'd say, Pastor Matt, I'm not saved. I'm not sure I will go to heaven. And I don't want to go to hell. Pray for me, Pastor Matt. Is there anyone like that that I could pray for you today? Just put your hand up to the Lord. Is there anyone like that that I could pray for you today? If you have any questions about that, please do not hesitate to speak to me or one of our members after the service. Let's sing together as we close. Seek ye first the kingdom of God.